0: Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 118. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com. This week, I want to share about growing Leaders Takeaways, some crucial conversations about your students. Last week, I woke up early in a hotel room in Atlanta, Georgia, but for a moment, I couldn't remember where I was. And then as my mind cleared, it dawned on me that I was there to present at a morning principal roundtable event hosted by Dr. Tim Elmore. So I got up, I dressed, I grabbed my laptop bag, I headed downstairs for breakfast, and then I walked the short distance to the conference event center. And as I set my bag down near the front of the room, I was excited for two reasons. One, because I love to share ideas with school leaders, but also because I was going to be able to listen to dynamic speakers and presenters for two days and do a lot of learning. Now, my own kids tease me all the time. That I geek out about principal leadership? And this event was going to give me permission to do just that. So after playing some fun, interactive introduction games, the lessons began and it would be impossible for me to share all of the things that I learned over those two days. But I wanted this week for this podcast to just share three parts with you from three authors who shared during this event. And there were many presentations, but I I just want to share three with you this week. Part one, I want to talk about some trends that are happening among our Gen Z students. Part two, I want to talk about how students require new leadership. And number three, I want to talk about the power of timing, breaks, and something called synchronization for kids. So I hope you can stay with me through this conversation because I'm going to break this into parts and just try to share with you some powerful takeaways. So part one, trends among our Gen Z students. Andrew McPeak was our first presenter, and with his wavy brown hair and dark-rimmed glasses, Andrew looks like someone who could host a nightly talk show. But you can't let his easygoing personality fool you. He is curious, and he spends a lot of time interviewing kids across the country. And in his highly informative session, Andrew shared takeaways from his book, Marching Off the Map, Inspire Students to Navigate a Brand New World, that he co-authored with Tim Elmore. And he also shared some takeaways from just the current research that he's doing with this generation of students. So let me just share with you three of those that he shared with us. Number one, expectations. Students wrestle a lot with expectations, especially the ones that are fueled by technology. 96% of high school students that Andrew has surveyed are now using smartphones and 41% of them say that social media makes them feel sad, anxious, or depressed. That means that our students face a constant tension of being connected to information, but seeing expectations that they feel are unattainable. Think about it this way. Our students see the lives of others online or through YouTube or through social media, where people look happy, successful, wealthy, but they also feel the anxiety of feeling like they can't attain that themselves. And so there's this paradox They recognize this, but they find it difficult to break free from the very influences that frustrate them. So consider that this generation of kids navigates expectations that are often more stressful than what we did at their age. Number two, students today think a lot about identity. Now, specifically, if you compare this generation to the generation before it, the past generation was very interested in things like the environment. How do we save the world? How do we make sure we live in a cleaner place? But today's kids predominantly think about identity, race, gender, and sexual orientation. And they're very aware of the divides and the conflicts involved in these discussions. And when they're surveyed, they consider these the most pressing problems that face the world today. So, whether or not you agree that those are the most pressing problems, they are to them. And they see a world of adults who haven't figured out how to live together. Number three, students are cautious about their futures. You know, Andrew shared some really startling statistics, 25% of today's youth are growing up in poverty, which means one in four kids struggle with basic resources. 46% of youth surveyed say their biggest personal concern is college debt. So here we are encouraging them to go on for post-secondary education, and yet they have a lot of room to complain because over the last 35 years, the cost of a college education has increased, get this, 1,120%. So our kids are stressed. They're stressed about their safety. Also, in the last eight years, they've seen 70 school shootings take place, whereas in the 15-year span before that, there were 61. So the increase of school shootings continues to stress them out. 72% of students admit that they're distracted by social media, and 58% say they're seeking relief from it, even though they don't know how to find it. So Andrew shared three things that we can be doing with Gen Z students. One, we've got to create atmospheres where they can talk about current issues. Two, we need to give them some experiences that include some risk because often they're so faced with unreal images that they're seeing in social media, they're not really having real life experiences themselves. And number three, we have to acknowledge their hurts and their temptations, but we have to offer them hope in the situation in which they live. So some very gripping statistics about our Gen Z students, but ones that I thought would be helpful for you to know too. Now, part two students need new leadership. Tim Elmore's presentation was also from the book Marching Off the Map. But Tim, I want you to picture Tim as the kind leader who communicates like your dad, your counselor, and a professor all at the same time. He's an author of over 32 books, and he shared some really important takeaways as well. And here's seven statements that he shared that I thought would be important for you to know. Number one, Students do not need adults to find information. Think about how different that is from when we grew up. We live in a time now where students can find all the information that they need online or in ways that we couldn't find it. Number two, students are connected but poorly manage relationships. Even though they have constant connection, that doesn't mean they're good at relationships. They need to be taught relationship building. Number three, anxiety levels among students are the same as psychiatric patients from the 1950s. Now, Tib was actually asked for his source on this statement and he gave us a report from the American Psychological Association that I'll link to in my show notes. But the point of that statistic is this, that the amount of anxiety that students are facing today is so much greater than what we faced or our parents faced that kids live in almost constant stress. Number four, students today are overexposed to information earlier than they're ready. Number five, Students are underexposed to firsthand experiences later than they're ready. Number six, students are cognitively advanced but emotionally behind. And number seven, students are biologically advanced but they're socially behind. I'm not going to break each one of those down, but I wanted to touch on those as food for thought. And I also wanted to refer to some takeaways that as we discussed those seven issues, I heard other principals saying, and I thought these were powerful, let me just share three. One, Dorothy Parker Jarrett of Summer Road Middle School in Somany, Georgia, explained that at her school, she has begun meeting with every student during the year to ask them for feedback. The areas of concern that they have, where they want to see their school improve, how they can contribute to its growth. And she's seen an amazing change in her culture as she and her other adult partners have learned to interact with students about the concerns they have. Two, Alyssa Hayes, innovative director from Mount Vernon School in Atlanta, Georgia, shared that her school has begun a simple practice at lunches playing classical music. She said, since they've done that, the noise levels have decreased and students have had more space for thinking while they eat. Number three, L.M. Sheffield, an instructional coach, shared that at one of the schools she's served, the staff placed conversation starter questions on the tables at lunch and the students can have more meaningful conversations because of the conversation starters that are placed in front of them. Those were just three of what I thought were fantastic responses to the issues that Tim raised in his presentation. So part two, we need a new kind of leadership if we're going to be leading students who are in a world different from the one that we grew up in. And last part three is this, the power of timing breaks and synchronization. I want you to listen closely because. This last presentation was by author Dan Pink. And if you're not familiar with Dan Pink, he's written a number of books, Drive to Sell as Human. He has a TED Talk that's been downloaded more than 20 million times and I'll link to it in my show notes. But his latest book is called When, W-H-E-N, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. And in Dan's presentation, he talks specifically about how timing breaks and synchronization change the way we learn. So let me just touch shortly on each of those. Number one, he talked about timing is a science, not an art. You have patterns of your day that profoundly affect your performance and cognitive abilities. Now, let me be specific. Most people are prone to be early morning people. This includes about 80% of the population. And when you look at the performance of early morning folks, when it comes to testing, students specifically who are tested in the morning score higher than students on average who test in the afternoons. Students who do analytical work in the peak parts of their day, which t- tends to be the mornings, nine o'clock is kind of the peak time, do better analytical work than students who try in the afternoon, which affects especially students in math. Number two, Dan said, we underestimate the power of breaks. Breaks are an important way to reset your performance abilities. And in a startling example, he showed some data taken by decisions of probate judges. All of these probate judges spanning over a certain number of years and the decisions that they made based on when they're more lenient or when they're harder on the cases that they're hearing. And get this statistically, most probate judges hand out more lenient sentences early in the day and right after they've taken a break. So think about that in terms of your own behaviors. How do the ups and downs of your day affect your own decision making? And how are they de- affecting the decision making of your students? And you know, I've seen smart school leaders and teachers know that when a student's having a difficult time, sometimes a break, giving them time to just take a break, a time out to think before moving forward helps a lot in making better decisions. Number three, the third takeaway that Dan gave was beginnings matter more than you realize. And he specifically cited some work by the American Academy of Pediatrics that shows that early start times for teens, kids 14 through mid-20s, can be detrimental to their health. And specifically, the American Academy of Pediatrics has issued a warning that schools who start before 8.30 in the morning are significantly increasing their students' risk of being overweight, suffering depression, and being involved in automobile accidents. Their grades suffer and their standardized test scores and quality of life can be impacted. I'm just quoting you the statistics. There were a lot of school leaders in that room whose eyebrows were raised, but Dan's point was this. Look at the statistics when it affects the ability of performance in teens because they need more sleep and schools that will start school 8.30 or later are seeing kids performing at higher rates. Now, the last thing that Dan talked about was something I had never heard, synchronization. And I don't know if you're familiar with this term, but when students or children are taught to play or interact by using the same motions, they tend to improve in their learning and their happiness. I looked this up later and saw some quotes from Dan Pink by Tony Wan, who's a blogger at a website called edsurge.com. And he had interviewed Dan there. And Dan explains it this way. And I wanted to quote him. He says, take two groups of kids and they each play games. One group plays a synchronized game. One group plays a non-synchronized game. The group that plays the synchronized game plays a kind of clap and tap activity where they're all clapping and tapping at the same time. And the other group plays a fun game that isn't synchronized. Afterwards, the students who played the synchronized game were much more likely to say, I want to play with a kid I haven't met yet. They're more likely to help the teacher and demonstrate all these behaviors that social psychologists call pro-social. Now, when I heard Dan present this point, he added something that I've also not heard someone say, which was this. If you want to find a strong way for students to practice synchronization in school, teach them choral singing. Now, think about that. There's lots of implications in our schools of how can we involve students or even ourselves in times of the day where rhythm or singing or synchronized activity can be a part of lesson learning and a part of play. Think about how that interacts in sports when, when the athletes are asked to, to synchronize their warm-up activities, when students are asked to be involved in fine arts, or in lesson learning, you're asked to repeat or sometimes rap information that helps students in learning. So it was so neat to hear the, the science and the research behind synchronization. Well, I hope that's helpful. Let me wrap this up. You know, at the end of this two days of presentations, I had the privilege of grabbing lunch with a small group of attendees and Dan Pink. And I asked Dan in that conversation, could he share what an ideal day looks like for him and all of the studies he's done on time and breaks and practice. And Tim Elmore was in the room as well. In sharing about the emerging generation of kids that were that we're all a part of, and I won't give you all of their responses in this podcast episode, but I do want to say this: as I left that meeting, my head was just spinning with so much good information, and so I was thinking, how can I summarize all of this in one short way to share with you, Principal Matters listeners? So I hope that you've been able to take something from these shares that can be helpful to you, because. This week, I want you to think about what are the trends you're seeing among your Gen Z students? What are the new ways you can lead when you think about the differences between this generation and the generations we've served before? And how can your understanding of things like timing and breaks and synchronization change the way that you do school? Now, as I wrap up these golden nuggets, the biggest takeaway for me was this, and I'm just going to try to put it in one sentence. As an education leader, you must recognize that our generation of students need adults who understand their unique challenges and opportunities, who know they won't serve them perfectly, but who can share with them ideas that support them, provide them with hope, and give them the encouragement they need to succeed. I know that's a mouthful, and it's a tall order, and we won't do it perfectly, but as you think about your students this week, what are some ways that you can begin engaging students and important conversations that they're thinking about right now about their own anxieties and concerns. How can you help your teachers design opportunities for students to have calculated risks in a time when they're not often being asked to risk in real life? And three, how can you take advantage of things like timing breaks or synchronization to spur student growth? And as you're learning this summer, What are some helpful lessons or books or takeaways that you're finding? Because summer is such a great time to discover and learn. And I'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to stay connected, you can find all my posts at my website at williamdparker.com. I'd also like to stay connected through social media. You can find me at Twitter at William DP or on Instagram at William underscore D underscore Parker. Or as always, you can reach me by email at my email address will at williamdparker.com. Until next time, I hope this has been helpful. I hope you're having a fantastic week and thanks again for doing What Matters. I'll talk to you soon.